Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Can I put on your screen name? And put on your camera? Uh, you know, please do so. Uh, and it's imperative now that you hear directly from me. I was home on Thursday night and I just had an agency official reach out to me with a text message with a copy of the audio and say, hey, I thought you might want to listen to this. A Zoom call between New York City Mayor Eric Adams and around 50 communications staff from New York City agencies. I do not accept people sabotaging this administration. If people want to be hurtful or harmful to this administration, this is not the place you want to serve. And if I ever find out that happens, that someone intentionally does something that is inappropriate, that is, they would not work for me as the man. I'm Annie Reese, and this is Politico Dispatch. Julia Marsh, I'm a New York editor for Politico. Editor Julia Marsh was sent a recording of this Zoom call. You are assigned to an agency and under a commissioner, but you work for me. A call that reveals that Mayor Adams wants a tighter control of the messaging happening in the city. The commissioner leads an agency, but I lead the city. I'm the mayor of the city, and all communications that comes through this city government is coming through my message and one message. Eric Adams was the Brooklyn Borough President. He had a staff of 100. You can control, to a large degree, what happens with that sort of a size of staff. You know, now it's 400,000 people, and these longtime agency officials I spoke to just said, it's unrealistic. You cannot micromanage to that level. So let's back up. Tell me about this Zoom call that you got your hands on. Sure. So um, last week, he brought together over 50 communications professionals from different agencies across the city, whether that's NYPD, FDNY, Parks Department, and told them about his belief in centralization of message, discipline of message. The first few months, uh, we've noticed that uh, press advisories have, have gone out, or press releases have gone out. And number one, we knew nothing about it. Or it was something that we were still contemplating here. And that is just not how I operate. I'm a big believer in discipline, discipline of message, and discipline of action. Mm. Apparently, some press releases or other communications had gone public before he approved them. He disagreed with them or said they were, you know, half-baked. And going forward, he set up a new uh, software system where everything will be submitted to what he called the mothership of City Hall. Mm. And he'll, he'll give a yay or nay whether or not it can go out publicly. And so why do you think he feels the need to discipline the messaging, as he calls it? I mean, like on the one hand, it, it makes perfect sense to me, right? The person who's the figurehead doesn't want to be embarrassed if, if there's miscommunications. But have there been scandals early or, or is he overly concerned about how he appears in the press? Well, he, he's overly concerned about what he called a, quote, very aggressive press corps. Dealing with a very aggressive press corps. He said that they're after a gotcha moment and not a I got you. When there's an I, I, I gotcha moment instead of I got you. 
And we need to be on top of that. He's uh, tussled with the press previously who uh, reported on a trip to Albany where he did not get changes to bail reform he wanted. The city staffers I spoke to, I spoke to a half dozen of them anonymously because, of course, they wouldn't be allowed to speak to me without his permission, Mm -hmm. some of whom have worked for other mayors, said at some level this is normal. You flag, you know, kind of important press releases about major policies to City Hall. They approve them. However, in this call, you had a Parks Department employee saying, What about a volunteer tree planting event? What about the cherry blossom schedule? He goes, yep, that's all got to go through me. Going back to his kind of antagonistic relationship with the press, in some ways it feels like something of a rite of passage for New York City mayors. I think, you know, his predecessors might have said the same thing. And he sort of strangely gets along with both his predecessors, right? He does. Yeah. Both Michael Bloomberg and uh, Mayor de Blasio. And and yes, they all, uh, you know, struggled with with what we call Room 9, which is what the reporters work out of at City Hall. Mm -hmm. And and we do have a a robust press corps. um, But, you know, we're the biggest city in America. We're the media capital of the country, if not the world. And so I think it's to be expected. And, you know, we'll see if if he gets used to us or not. So how would you characterize his first few months in office? Like, what are his big goals and how effectively does he seem to be achieving them so far? Well, we'll have a story out in the, in the next couple of days uh, by our City Hall Bureau Chief Sally Goldenberg and her, her colleague Aaron Durkin, giving him a kind of report card on crime. That's been mm-hmm. the mayor's central issue. It's what he ran on. It's what he won on. He's a former NYPD captain. And he has certainly been very aggressive, showing up, uh, very out front, showing up at crime scenes, um, letting the police department know that he has their back. However, the crime rates continue to spike. There's there's a huge jump in violent crime from the year before. So at, at some point, he will have to own this crime problem. It's just a matter of of when and did he, you know, make promises he, he couldn't necessarily meet. A lot of these issues are just very um, structural, deep-seated, you know, have to do um, with macro issue, issues like the economy. So can he really drive down crime within the first few months in office is what we're going to answer in that article. Yeah. And it's it feels like it's really uh, causing the ire of some Democrats. I mean, he's definitely much more of a pro-police Democrat. No, that's the thing. Exactly. You pointed to it like he both isn't satisfying, you know, Republicans who who want to see the crime under control. um, And then also Democrats to the left of him are saying, wait a minute, you're bringing back broken windows policing. You're using officers to remove homeless people from the streets. These are Giuliani error type tactics, you know, of a Republican. They could disproportionately affect black and brown New Yorkers. There's some real concerns about his approach. Yeah. What was his recent order to clear homeless camps? Can you tell me about that? Sure. Yeah. He he's saying that you can't have these sort of makeshift uh, shelters on the streets. They're not they're not sanitary. They're not humane to the people living in them. You know, there's there's no toilet. There's no shower. Um, it's dangerous in the winter months. So uh, Giuliani actually did arrest a uh, street homeless who refused to go to shelter. Adams does have a different approach. He's pairing up the police with social service workers, with sanitation workers, with health workers, and really trying to get these people off the streets into shelters to services they need. 
On the other side, um, advocates say we don't have enough safe shelter beds or places that that homeless people feel secure that they're going to want to go there. So they're just going to end up back on the street. So I'm curious about Adams as a public figure just in general. I mean, I feel like since he took office, it's been interesting to see him clubbing at night, drinking Tito's and soda with celebrities. He's just an extremely colorful figure. He is. And, you know, a big criticism of his predecessor, Mayor Bill de Blasio, was that he didn't really seem to revel in the role of cheerleader for New York City. Mm. And New Yorkers want to see their mayor soaking up the city, having fun, doing things that Eric Adams is doing, like going to Broadway shows, going to clubs. Of course, um, they're going to be naysayers, but we are at a time of, of recovery in the city from the pandemic. And these the mayor says, Mayor Adams says, I'm trying to help our nightlife. I'm trying to lead by example, show tourists it's safe and fun to get back out there, see those shows, go to those clubs, eat at those restaurants. So I'd, I'd say there's a really a mixed reaction to mm-hmm. it. Just one interesting thing I'll, I'll mention because we have talked about how every mayor and, of course, you know, every politician, the president, they want to have a, a centralized message. They want all their staffers to adhere to it. Um, an interesting thing about Eric Adams, though, is as a former NYPD officer for 22 years, he was really best known as an activist and a reformer within the department. He was trying to, um, you know, make the department um, more friendly to the diverse neighborhoods in the city, trying to diversify its ranks. And he was actually docked 15 vacation days for making a TV appearance without his supervisor's permission. So now now he seems to be cracking down on the very sort of thing that he would have done when he was a reformer NYPD officer and that he often touts as an example of, I'm not just tough on crime. I believe in a, a, a fair and just police department. I saw that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez had posted on her Instagram story, someone had asked about Eric Adams' approach to crime, and she sort of did a thumbs down, like, that's a no from me. So is there more to say about his relationship with certain prominent Democrats and whether that's likely to help or hurt his agenda? Yeah, I mean, he certainly... um... Like AOC, there are a number of of very progressive new city council members who are butting heads with him already um, on, you know, NYPD budget issues, on the use of, say, like facial recognition technology um, to, 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 to crack down on crime. And he certainly doesn't seem to care. In fact, he seems to kind of relish in the push and pull, the give and take there. But as we've seen with the budget in Albany, which is ongoing and and approaching, uh, actually passed the deadline last week, he hasn't been able to push through some of the reforms he wants for public safety because a lot of those further left Democrats run the state Senate and Assembly and say, sorry, it's a no starter for us. Julia Marsh, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you so much. Also in the news, on Sunday, Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban scored a crushing victory in a parliamentary election. The right-wing Orban has a close relationship with Russian President Vladimir Putin and has been accused by EU institutions of undermining democracy and the rule of law. 
And Sarah Palin announced that she would be running for U.S. Congress to fill the House seat held by late Representative Don Young. Her announcement came about 45 minutes before the filing deadline to enter into the special election, throwing Palin into a crowded field of nearly 40 candidates. Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>